That's it. Wait, what week is it? First week. Believe it or not, it is episode 20. Wow. Okay. Well, we're in the booth here with a bunch of new voices, so we're just going to go around the circle and uh, give us your name, where you're from, if you're a new member of the team. Uh, hi, I'm Jack Cruz Alvarez. I'm from Miami, Florida. Hi, I'm Olivia. I'm from New York. I'm Isaac Krakoka. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. My name is Jack Capizzi, and I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. And as usual, I'm Miles Burton. I'm in the booth. I'm Austin. I'm Natalia. We have a bunch of great stories for you today. So first up, we're going to talk about the new wellness center that got announced. So Provost Daniel Diermeyer and Dean of Students Michelle Rasmussen sent an email to the student body announcing that there would be construction of a new wellness center as well as a number of new initiatives to better provide for the mental health of the community. So among those changes are the hiring of a full-time case manager in the student counseling service, the launching of a new mental health simulation called At Risk for College Students, it's a 30-minute simulation, which is going to be required for all incoming college students and will be available to any other students who want to complete it. They'll also be helping faculty identify and support students in need of mental health resources, and they're going to be launching a redesigned, mobile-friendly student health and counseling services website. So I don't know about you, but I think it's good to see the university finally taking student health services seriously. I'd be interested to know whether the university did this in response to a bunch of student activism at the end of last year after the uh, UCPD shooting. So our next story that we're going to be talking about is the uh, closing of the Yerkes Observatory. On September 14th, um, UChicago announced that it is now working with a nonprofit, the Yerkes Future Foundation, to keep the Yerkes Observatory in Williams Bay Village, Wisconsin, from closing its doors. As we said in May, um, the observatory is still closed to the public. However, this is the first time the university has publicly accepted a proposal from an organization to preserve the site. York's telescopes um, will remain in operation, and the observatory's glass photographic plates will remain accessible for researchers. The university is also considering low-density residential use for some of the grounds of the observatory. This would include developing residential areas with houses and open space. So lastly, the Geneva Lake Astrophysics and STEAM group um, that sought to continue York's educational outreach programming after the observatory closed is no longer continuing with their efforts. The university acknowledges their hard work, however, will no longer support these programs. So since we've got so many first years in the room today, we figured it would be a good idea to talk a little bit about just how enormous the class of 2022 is. So this year is the largest class, um, first year class in the university's history. There are 1,814 students enrolled in the class of 22, um, 2022, um, which is an increase from the class of 1,740 um, from last year. During a week, Dean Boyer acknowledged space this year was very tight, saying there was a bed for every first year, but he thinks that there are only two beds um, left. In the past two years, there have been a lot of changes made to housing to fit the growing number of students. Um, the university has turned singles into doubles in iHouse and has also rented out more space in View 53, offering to returning students housing on campus um, who originally were housed in campus, um, housing in View 53 for no additional cost. The problem is that they didn't account like enough for how many people would accept the offer of admission. Um, yeah, because last year they opened up um, the ED2 option, um, which previously was not available, and so more people were applying, and they didn't think that that many people would actually accept 
So next up, we're going to return to a story from last year. There was a announcement made in January that Steve Bannon would be coming to speak at the university. Uh, and after a series of student protests, it, it became less clear whether that would actually come to pass. And in the last week or so, we learned some additional information about that. So in the past few weeks, we've been hearing conflicting reports from both professors and faculty at Booth and the Bannon camp about whether or not Bannon will actually be speaking on campus. Steve Bannon told Crane's Chicago Business that he looks forward to speaking at the University of Chicago in the near term. However, the Maroons' Pete Grieve reached out to the Stiglitz Center director, and they have said, although we would still be open to an event with Mr. Bannon, currently there are no plans for the event. Professor Luigi Zingales, the professor who extended the invitation to Steve Bannon originally, has said that we are still waiting for an answer and that there is currently no plans for a debate. So somebody who certainly is going to be coming to campus, it was recently announced that the CEO of Microsoft would be joining the Board of Trustees. So this past Monday, UChicago announced that the Microsoft CEO and graduate of the university's Booth School of Business, Satya Nadella, was elected to the school's Board of Trustees. A little bit about his background, he grew up in India and received an electrical engineering degree from the Manipal Institute of Technology at Mangalore University. He then went on to receive a computer science degree from the University of Wisconsin in 1990, and then in 1997 he received an MBA from the Booth School of Business at the University of Chicago. He joined Microsoft in 1991, where he served ever since. He took over in 2014 as the CEO of Microsoft following Steve Ballmer. Uh, and he has also worked as the board of directors at Starbucks and on the board of trustees at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center in Seattle. Uh, as a member of the board of trustees, he'll be serving a five-year term and will be asked to uphold the university's mission uh, to support future generations at the university. Student activists have been especially active in the last week or so, protesting a couple of national news events. So the first one up is the nomination of Brad Kavanaugh, who just the other day it was confirmed as a justice of the Supreme Court. On October 5th, University of Chicago students participated in what they considered an emergency rally to oppose Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. The rally was organized using the hashtag Believe Survivors on social media. One of the protesters, Celia Hoffman, said the event was a, su was a success regardless of what happens tomorrow. We will continue to fight for justice and to create the world we wish to live in. Several dozen students attended the protest. In addition to this protest on the Quad, 12 University of Chicago law professors have signed a letter opposing the confirmation of Judge Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. The letter argues that his response during a September 27th hearing to sexual assault allegations against him demonstrated a lack of judicial temperament. 2,400 law faculty signed the letter, uh, and the letter claims Kavanaugh's response to allegations of sexual assault leveled against him by psychology professor Christine Ford is disqualifying. He was aggressive with questioners, and he had a lack of judicial temperament. Instead of trying to sort out with reason and care the allegations that were raised, Judge Kavanaugh responded in an intemperate, inflammatory, and partial matter, as he interrupted and, at times, was discourteous to senators. The final vote was postponed last weekend. So the other story that the university has been involved in on the national level is the Laquan McDonald trial. On Friday, white Chicago police officer Jason Van Dyke was found guilty of the second-degree murder of Laquan McDonald and 16 counts of aggravated battery with a firearm. This verdict is a story because it is, he is the first CPD officer to be found guilty of murder in an on-duty shooting in almost 50 years. He faces a minimum of six years when he is sentenced. And the university has sent out 
multiple responses to the verdict before and after. So on the Wednesday before the verdict, they hosted a campus conversation about the shooting, the context of the shooting, and what may happen depending on what the verdict would be with historians and activists and professors at the law school and social service administration school. They also sent an email on Friday before the verdict came out talking about what the university was prepared for regarding the verdict. They said that the Department of Safety and Security was prepared to increase staffing should there be any safety issues on campus and that they were prepared for students to civilly protest on campus. After the verdict, they also hosted a reflection space on Friday at the Center for Identity and Inclusion where there were student counseling service staff and spiritual life staff members to speak with. Next up, we have some new surprises for you. We're going to start doing a sports corner with the Maroon Weekly every week to give you an update about how your UChicago Maroons are doing. University of Chicago football secured its second straight shutout for the first time since 1969. The offense scored 49 points for the third game in a row for a 49-0 victory at Lawrence. Women's soccer put up two big wins, one on the road, 4-2 versus Carthage and another 3-2 versus Emory University. University of Chicago women's volleyball took down number 15 University of Wisconsin Eau Claire, Milken, and Wheaton College to improve to 21-2. Maroon men's soccer had a 2-0 shutout of Emory University. The women's cross-country team earned a victory at the Benedictine University Invitational, and the Maroons men's squad finished runner-up in the team standings. And Chicago men's double players, Tyler Racklin and Jeremy Yuan, won their second straight ITA Central Regional Doubles title on Wednesday. Go Maroons! Thanks for listening. This has been the Maroon Weekly for week two of Autumn Quarter. I'm Austin. Miles. Jack. Natalia. Olivia. Isaac. Jack. That's cool. Follow us wherever podcasts can be found. Mine is Spotify. Music for the weekly is produced by Aaron Senden and Andrew Dietz. Audio equipment is provided by Ben Kent and the entire Logan Cage staff. Thanks for listening. Catch us every Monday at 9 a.m.